Hello and welcome to this new episode of So Tell Me, a podcast where I talk to people about their education experiences, get opinions on higher education and talk to people about what information they think the world should know more about. I'm your host, Kim Wardle. Let's get into the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I've got a very lovely new guest with me this week. Uh, So let's hop right in. So tell me, who are you and how do we know each other? So my name is uh, William Whiteside and uh, I am a senior in mechanical engineering uh, going to NC State University. And I was fortunate enough to be roommates with uh, some people that befriended Kim when she was in the United States. And uh, she spent a lot of time over at our place and and, uh, we got to know each other and we, we got to be good friends. So I'm, I'm happy to be here and, um, you know, happy to be helping out the podcast. Yeah, it's great. Nice. Obviously, as you can tell from Will's accent, he is American. So sorry to scare everyone with, <laughs> with something new. <laughs> but yeah, you have had a very long university experience because uh, your intermittent placements. I wondered if you could like explain how your university has worked and like what your kind of university structure has been like because it's not typical for the UK. Sure yeah so like you said I mean I have been in undergrad for quite a while now this is uh, the first semester of year five for me Um, (laughs) which yeah (laughs) it's it's been a long road so the way that you know my degree is typically a four-year standard degree the way that it works at my university, and, and this is somewhat common with universities in the U.S. specific to engineering. I don't know how many other majors do this, but we have something called that we call co-op programs, um, which mm-hmm. are basically sort of like an internship. You know, where on an internship, you'd usually go over a summer between semesters or between, you know, whenever your breaks and semesters were, and you'd work for a few months full time at a company as sort of a an entry level or a, a trainee getting to know the company getting to know the real world workplace and trying to figure out like how to integrate yourself how to handle corporate atmosphere stuff like that um right. co-op what i did is just different in the way that instead of just one session it's three sessions uh, are supposed to be three sessions with the same company and some universities um i didn't know this until i actually did one some universities will do up to nine uh, rotations because of wow. the way they structure things. So I, between my junior and senior year of, uh, of college, I basically was going to school in North Carolina. And instead of going back to school for the first half of 2019, I packed up and went to Michigan, uh, which for those of you that aren't in the U.S., it's about a 10 and a half hour drive um, <laughs> and uh, worked full time instead of taking school. Uh, I was able to remain a full time student. And I got certain credits for for my time up there, but it was great because I was working full time, a 40 hour week, getting paid pretty well, in, in, in my opinion, um, and getting some really cool experience in an industry that, that I was super excited about, which for me, um, you know, I've got a lot of weird sort of really niche interests, but but one of them is is cars and automobiles. And um, I got the chance to work for uh, Nissan. North America at their their North American Research and Development Headquarters. So I spent seven months of 2019 working up there instead of going to school, and it pushed my graduation back a year, but the experience was 
something. It was, it was, I think worth it. I think worth it, but it was, it was very, very good. So obviously COVID has meant that you haven't been able to do your co-op this year. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for your graduation? Or what does that mean for, you know, your internships and things like that? Does that mean that you um, don't have enough credits to graduate? You're going to have to spend longer at school. What does that, you know, how, where does that leave you? Yeah, so the, the good news is is that the co-op does not directly affect when I can graduate, aside from just pushing it back because I've had to take semesters off. Mm-hmm. As far as the credits for the co-op in particular, um, it's kind of weird. There's a, in the U.S., there's a particular type of accreditation that comes with the co-op program. And so the co-op uh, program and the co-op department at, at NC State and, and other universities as well has to follow certain guidelines and the school has to do certain things in order to when the student graduates say uh, yes the student has done all of the requirements to meet a full right. co-op session like you said for me COVID kind of ruined that and I was supposed to be there this summer and got a call from my HR rep at Nissan saying, hey, you know, we're sorry, but we're having to cancel the program this year uh, mm-hmm. for the summer. Because I'm graduating or the plan is to graduate in May, um, I don't really have time uh, to, to go back and do a third rotation, which I would be required right. to do in order to get the the credit. Um, but for me at this point, it's kind of like, <sighs> for me, I'm, I'm kind of ready to be done <laughs> with school. Mm-hmm. And also, I've had maybe not the best experience with the way that the co-op department has handled things. Okay. Part of it's on me, part of it's on them. Uh, but I'm also just don't want to <laughs> don't want to fight to try to work things out at this point. Um, because for me, the point of the co-op was not so much to get the credit, but like to get the hands-on experience that I was able to get. So, right. regardless of what anybody says, you know, the two rotations and and the time that I was able to spend at these companies is mine and I can put that on a resume nobody can take that away from me and that is the experience that I really wanted to do it for so you know I'm I'm not too worried about it unfortunately I'll only get two in but I've still got a good relationship with the company I'm hopefully I'll be able to maybe look at a full-time opportunity once that opens up once I uh, graduate yeah but as far as graduation, luckily, as long as I just finish my normal my normal credits, I will be graduating when I plan on graduating as of right now. So. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> How was it staying in state for university? Because you obviously live in North Carolina and then you went to NC State. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like you needed to look elsewhere or were you always happy to stay in state for school? So my parents have always kind of had the idea that living at home in college is not a good idea. Um, So their idea was, even if I go to school right down the road from home, they're like, you got to get out. You got to get out. (laughs) You got to find somewhere else. You can, you don't have, you don't have to, uh, don't have to go home, but you can't stay here type thing. Um, Right. When we were looking at colleges, we looked at some places out state, out of state too. Um, not nothing too crazy far, um, and and part of the reason for that was because going into high school. So I've got a chronic medical condition that requires certain special treatment and certain special medications that can be a little bit tricky to get a hold of, and especially with 
when I was just coming out of high school, I wasn't completely prepared to handle all of it on my own quite yet. Right. So it was good to at least be able to keep it within driving distance. Um, and so at the time, uh, my parents, uh, well, and they still do, we, we, we live in North Carolina, but I had also looked at schools in Georgia, um, schools in South Carolina, which those two are just one or two states below us, and then also in mm -hmm. Virginia, directly above us. It just so happened that with the acceptances that I got, uh, the money, uh, just the way that it worked out. And then for me, you know, going into engineering, um, one of the big things was how is the how is the department? You know, what are the options that I have as far as going into yeah. engineering? What can I what can I get out of the school? And it just so happened that NC State kind of ticked all those boxes. And I, I think ultimately, I think it was it was the right decision. And I've been happy overall with with the education that I've I've been able to get. And it's it's enough distance to where I can sort of feel like I'm out on my own and, and handling my own thing right. while also if something does change or something does go wrong, I'm within sort of a, a hop, skip, and a jump of home where uh, it was a little bit different when I was in Michigan working on co-op. That was a mm. ten and a half hour drive from yeah, I was gonna ask about anybody that, that I knew, <laughs> um, which very, very different. And I think like what with what you did, you know, going all the way across the ocean, um, right. It's a little bit more than a 10-hour drive <laughs> to, to, to get back to it's familiar. So I, I can't imagine quite that. But I know even for me, like, there were a few times that being super far away was – it was – it was it could be difficult at times. Um, mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that I kind of got used to. You get used to after you spend a, a few weeks or a few months there. And, you know, depending on, on, on how close – you are to the home life uh it, it can be easier or hard overall i think for me in-state has been fine it's an hour and a half drive i'm kind of on my own and and uh enough but if, if something does go wrong or i do need something um, it's close enough to, to make the effort if i want to yeah do you mind talking a little bit about whether nc state or whether your experience in general for your co-op and nc state how they handled your medical stuff? Were they hands-off, hands-on? Like, what was the situation? Yeah, well, the, the good news for me um, is that my particular diagnosis um, is a mild to moderate form of something called hemophilia A. Um, and it's a clotting disorder that my blood does not quite clot as well as it should, <laughs> but because I'm on the mild to moderate side uh, and it fluctuates, my personal issues with it these days are are pretty slim, um, right. which has been good. And because of that, we can sort of elect to take a more hands-off approach mm -hmm. in terms of communicating with, with the university um, because the... For the most part, it's not really necessary. I have not had any particularly bad. Well, actually, freshman year I had a couple. <laughs> I had a uh, a couple bad bad issues, but we have a um, hematologist not at NC State, but at um, a neighboring university, uh, mm -hmm. University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, that is a trained specialist, and that is where it's a thirty minute drive, and it's it's close enough to where. It's it's not too big of an issue for me in day to day life, and it's it's kind of always been like this. Um, it, it hasn't really been a big thing until it's a thing. Um, wow. So 
you know, it, we've been lucky enough to have it pretty easy and NC State hasn't had to worry about it because we haven't really needed them to. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure that if something did go poorly, like that, there was one time freshman year, I uh, collided shins with somebody. And for all, for all my UK people, we were playing football. Uh, for my US <laughs> people, we were playing soccer. And um, we, we collided shins, and uh, that is particularly bad for, for a bleeder. And I had a massive, massive bruise on the front of my leg. And, uh, and so bad that it was like, I mean, it, I couldn't put weight on it. My, my leg couldn't support weight. It was, it was throbbing constantly. I had to be on crutches. And um, I'm sure that if I needed if I had needed, like, NC State has um, golf carts that, that are able to bring people around if they've got a walking impediment or, or if there's something that, that makes moving around on their own capacity mm-hmm. difficult. Um, and, and they've also been very good about welcoming any, uh, any doctor's notes, any travel notes or anything like that to, just right. to, to, to preemptively warn people, especially for, like, PE classes, to say, like, hey – Nothing should go wrong, but if it does, um, I'd you know. really like to get out of it. So <laughs> yeah, well, and actually, and there, there's there there was one time. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was freshman or sophomore year. I think it was freshman year. I had a lab um, that I missed, and I had gotten distracted because I had injured myself earlier in that week, and I was self medicating with my uh, medication and and missed lab and missing lab is like not good um and and for the most part you, you really need a good excuse to get excused from the lab but i was able to bring a doctor's note and, and say like hey like here's the deal this is what i was doing this is why i couldn't show up um and i got it excused and it was fine so i haven't had any issues with it at, at nc state and i'm thank- thankful for that that's that's good i'm glad i'm glad to hear it yeah. also just to, I don't know, to you, obviously, to clarify to everyone, <laughs> NC State is huge, okay? Yeah. And I can't even imagine having a golf cart at a UK university to take you around. So just to clarify, uh, NC State has like two, three, four, four campuses, three campuses? Yeah, that are like we, we've got a main campus, we've got a veterinary campus, we've got an engineering campus, and they're all separated. It's in, a, it's in a, the capital city of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty spread out and it's it's close to downtown but there there is like him saying there, there's a lot of uh a lot of space and i think we have like 30,000 or 35,000 undergraduates um yeah it's and a uh, huge a lot of, place yeah very <laughs> so very you need big. the golf cart <laughs> yeah yeah it, it would be difficult to hobble from one end of the campus to the other on uh mm. on crutches or in a boot so yeah true also the buses are 50-50. That's oh. what I used. I I almost until Katie drove me around. Yeah. I used buses all the time, and that was horrendous. Well, and and for all of my uh, for all my engineering engineering people out there, it's uh, going from main campus where you live to the engineering campus. You pretty much have to take the bus every time, so it's mm-hmm. very nice and very helpful. You should have just you know had a bleed just so you could use it. <laughs> Golf cart, to be honest. You know, I've thought about it. I could probably fake it if I wanted to. Leverage <laughs> what you need. <laughs> Leverage what you want. Exactly. Got to gotta make some use out of it. Got to get something out of it at some point. Honestly. So what would you what would you do differently about your university experience? You, you said that you're happy at NC State, but is there anything that you would do differently? Um, oh, man, where do I start? Uh, you know, if... I think it's one of those things like if I could go back and tell myself like 
sort of what to expect or how to mm-hmm. how to handle things. Um, I think the first thing was would be like giving myself a better idea of what my major actually does. Okay. Because for me, and I th- I'm sure it's like this for a lot of people too. Like when you hear the term engineering, kind of you think you kind of know what it means. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they design stuff. They probably do a little bit of math. Sometimes they build stuff. But like when I came into it, I really had no idea what it was. Um, and right. and still to this day, I I only halfway understand it because <laughs> there's so many facets and so many ways that you can go. And and I mm-hmm. think I had a certain idea of what it was in my head, um, which was more of a. I, I assumed that there was going to be more practical hands-on application, um, which right. when I got here, you know come to find out that like the first three years for the most part is all it's all theory it's all stuff that yeah it's kind of interesting but you know for me when I came into school my dream was I wanted to work on cars that's what Mm. I wanted to do I wanted to work on cars I wanted to be a part of a race team I wanted to do this and my parents had always raised me with the idea that like you're going to a university you're going to a four-year school you're going to get a bachelor's degree at least right. and so for me the, the the option was engineering it was this is this is how i want to do it because trade school i mean they're they're a thing here but it's not particularly well advertised mm-hmm. and i went to a college prep university that very much pushed right. sort of traditional academic route here and so for me, it was just like, I didn't really explore or think about the other options. It was just kind of like, this is where I got kind of pigeonholed into. And it's worked out. I mean, it's 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 worked out for me better than some of my friends who got into engineering and then after a year or two have had to drop because mm. academic difficulties or realizing this isn't what I want to do or, or whatever. And I kind of came into it feeling like almost blind um, and and especially when I got to know some of the people that were here and some of the experience that they had had coming into it. There was a lot of like times where I was like, am I really cut out for this? Like, I, I don't right. know. And and so for me, it, getting a better idea and having a better understanding of what it actually is, which is for engineering, it's, it's, it's understanding the underlying theory, doing the math, understanding the physics, and then figuring out a way to apply that. And mm. I think part of me always assumed that it was more difficult than it actually is, but there's also other parts of it that are immensely complex that I never would have thought of to begin with. And and the other thing is that like how many things you can do. I mean, there's there's people that have engineering degrees that are basically just managers and financial people. Like there's people right. that are engineers that, yeah, they'll spend all day in front of the computer designing something, but then there's other engineers that like, you know, they're running a team to figure out finances or they're in a lab you know with technicians every day and it's a very diverse field it was something that I wish I would have understood more about but you know that was that was one thing I think exploring the options and and understanding um, what it was I think another thing would be to get into extracurricular activities and extracurricular clubs earlier and um, really push full commitment uh, to them and and really commit a bunch of time. It's tough in university because you kind of want to balance academics and extracurriculars and your social life as well. 
Right. And for some people, it, it feels like you don't really have time. And a lot of times you don't have time for all of them. Yeah. Especially last year when you're like trying to get acclimatized. And oh. that the last thing you want to do is start joining a bunch of clubs and commit to those. Exactly. Well, that was my thing is that, you know, I was just trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do here? You know, it's like, you know, and I was, I was new to it. I was still trying to figure out who I was living with and, and who I was going to be friends with and where do I eat and where do I go? And like, this is a whole new city and a whole new place. But, and realistically, I don't think I could have balanced, at least with my time management skills, I could not have balanced academic life, social life, um, and then extracurricular stuff and get sleep and feed myself properly. You know, it's like, there's, there's only so much time in the day um, for me. But I know that one, one thing that ended up happening to me is there is a club at NC State that takes part in a competition that's actually international. Um, I know that there's some schools in uh, in Germany, uh, like uh, Stuttgart, that take place in this too. It's the Society of Automotive Engineers has a um, a university level like collegiate competition for building a, a car. And NC State has this club, and it's called Wolfpack Motorsports. And um, I joined it sophomore year. The intention was to you know get some hands-on experience because that was one of the only ways seemingly because uh, you weren't going to get hands-on experience in class it's just not going to happen right. the, lab, the labs were essentially useless um they don't really teach you much of anything or how to build anything it's more of just follow the instruction get out as quick as you can and then answer the questions with minimal effort and that's kind of how everybody handles it because you don't actually the way that they're structured they're not really constructive so for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to join this club. I'm going to get some hands-on experience in what I want to do. And I spent the entirety of my sophomore year at the club. And for new members, it was, you know, you sit in front of a lathe or a mill and you machine metal parts that they tell you. Right. And, um, and, and it was, you know, they told, they told me, it was like, come in on Saturdays, do whatever we tell you to do, work for six, seven hours, and then you're good to go. And I, I assumed that that was, that was all of my responsibility. And at, at the end of the, the year and going into your second year, you get assigned an actual team, and then you start to design things and build things. You know, and I, I had clocked probably over 100 hours at the shop doing this, this machining. And at the end of the year, unfortunately, I basically got the news that, like, hey, you haven't spent enough time there. What? Well, and, and I was confused because, it, for me, I hadn't been told anything else. I was like, oh, well, I, I mean, I had gone every weekend that, that I needed to go. I, all the time I, I built all the work I did all the parts correctly and I made a few mistakes here and there but I owned up to it and I tried to fix it and essentially there was a an expectation that I should have shown up more and gone to other days or, or, or done things like that and you know maybe part of that's on me for for not uh trying to push more and trying to well you know and I, I guess there's some debate to be had there but um, it sounds a bit uh structurally towards the top heavy to me yeah well and 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 i um and i will admit i i wasn't a huge fan of the way that things were run there it was very kind of hands-off from mm. an administrative because it's, it's a student-run organization there's no wow. faculty or adults involved it's entirely student-run and organized and a few of the upperclassmen that were organizing it it, it had always felt to me very kind of it always felt very unorganized and kind of that you just had to expect to know what to do. And for me, especially when I'm new to something, I 
kind of like to have more guidance. I like to have my hand held a little bit and explain, like, this is exactly what is expected of you. Mm-hmm. Do this. This is your training. The next step is X, Y, Z. And it just so happened that for this club, that was not the uh, not the case. So I ended up, you know, wasting almost every Saturday of my sophomore year. And so for younger Will, looking back, I would I would say, you know, if you want to do this, you have to commit to it 100%. You have to be able to be willing to put all of the time that you have into it um, if you really want this. Uh, and given that that I don't know if that necessarily should be the case for a lot of clubs, but for some, that's kind of what it takes. And there is going to be an expectation that, like, it's like a job outside of school. And, and it may be the only way to get some of that experience that you want, but you really, really got to push for it. Um, and it sucks that that was how it worked out, you know, but for me, it, it ended up being okay because I got an amazing opportunity with Nissan later on, but there's definitely still part of me looking back that would have been like, Oof, you know, would have been good to, to carry that out. But at least you can lave the hell out of a piece of metal. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the good news is I'm getting into, um, you know, I just started my senior design class that's going to take the entirety of my, my last year here. And uh, you have to get retrained on the lathe in the mill. And the good news for me is that, like, oh, I've, I already know how to use them. So the training will be relatively easy and I can get Sorry into it pretty quick. Yeah. But yeah, so that, that was a big thing. And, and I think, um, I, don't, I don't know, university has been kind of a weird thing for me because I've never really been a big uh the college atmosphere has never really gelled well with my personality. I mean, you know this, but I, I tend to uh, tend to like to keep to myself. I, I tend to be more introverted and kind of need to take my own time and, and, and my own space with things. And uh, definitely never been much of a partier. I don't know how big Greek life is over there, but, you know, fraternities and sororities are huge here. And uh, they definitely not my vibe. Uh, so it, it's, it's kind of been a weird thing trying to balance the social aspect of it, I really, I, I don't know what the right way to handle it is. It's not, not exactly my expertise, but college is, is long and it's complicated. And I think a lot of really good stuff can come out of it too. But, you know, there's also some of the most difficult, irritating, uh, sad parts of my life have been in college. So it's like, yeah, kind of have to take the good with the bad and, and um, understand that like, it's going to have some things that are way better than you thought they were, some things that are way worse than you thought they were going to be. But you kind of have to take the good with the bad. And I think overall the experience is, has, has been good for me at least. I mean, the, I feel like the main problem was definitely those roommates you had two years ago. 100%. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, where do we even start with uh... that? gets back to them <laughs> everything comes back to, to sarah and katie now they're 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 wonderful um and they're they both are uh are, are doing well i think which i'll tell you that was a that was a whole other living with women for oh yeah talk about that from my perspective i mean yeah i have a woman so it's fine <laughs> right well i guess that's one thing that i guess everybody should know just from a living standpoint is that basically from my sophomore year so my second year of college through my second and third year of college in their entirety and then my second rotation of co-op at uh in michigan i lived exclusively with women and uh as a man um the uh the it was quite the need to acclimatize <laughs> to the, it, there's, 
were you kind of did some like social observations right because i remember talking to you about this <laughs> towards the end when i was staying with you guys and we were talking about like the weird social observations that you had yeah well it was always fascinating to me you know because i had come into it prior to this i had almost exclusively you know hung out with 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 men and with guys mm -hmm. and you know, people also, guys that typically fell into the stereotypical, like, behavior of guys. Okay. And living with with women, and on a day-to-day -day basis, you see certain, like, just certain little, like, idiosyncrasies and, like, little things that, that you wouldn't necessarily see just normally socializing. The way that they handle certain situations, the way that they socially interact over a long term, mm -hmm. the way that, like, female friend groups play out over time and and i think it was great for me because i i learned a ton but uh <laughs> it was it was definitely difficult at, at times because like you know there were there were times where like living with sarah and katie oh spill the tea we, well it was and, and they're, they're wonderful they're they're great people but there yeah. were certain things that like it would make sense to me like I would do certain things with a certain intention and it would make sense to me, right. but they would, they would understand it or interpret it differently. You have an example, like a specific example. Um, yeah. Like, uh, well, one minor thing is the way that, that they would talk about feelings and, and the way that, that emotions would get, would get brought up. And I'm not trying to be like, Oh, like women are emotional. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just that like, the way that guys typically don't talk about it, you know, we, at least for myself, you know, when I say like, oh, I'm in a bad mood, like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, it very much just means that, like, it's, it's very right. much like, I just don't feel well, I'm going to go do my own thing. And I'm not asking for sympathy. I'm not asking for comfort. I'm not asking for consultation. Yeah, it's just, I just genuinely, like, what I said, take it at surface level, like, that's all it is. Whereas sometimes I would I would realize that, like, when one of them would say something, it would almost be an implicit invitation to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. And not that they would ask for it, but, like, directly, but it was sort of like, I want to talk about this, but I don't know how to tell you I want to talk about it, but, like, please ask because I want to spill my spill my feelings and i think there were certain times when like they would uh and and i i would do this too i mean we'd have certain instances where we'd talk about the way that we felt about something and and <laughs> i don't know there'd be some misunderstandings about how we should go about it i know one thing for me too was just like it was shocking when i started finally started like interacting with guys again uh that that like guys don't really want to hear about your day and hear about like what you know when you're right. talking with a dude it's not like hey man how was your day like what's what's happening like tell me about like what went on and like they don't want to go in depth it's just like hey man how you doing oh good dude how, you, how about you like that's that's as, that's as short as it is it's just like you, you you move on and 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 there's not a lot of uh extraneous mm. conversation there's a lot of conversation when you're living with women that I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything because that's kind of rude, but like it, it's 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 additional to the the required. 
Exactly. Whereas when you're talking with guys, usually it's very, like, unless something needs to be said, it's usually not going to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It was just, it was very interesting, even how they handle roommates, right? Because this is one thing that since I've started living with guys again at university, there's no expectation when you're living, like, if you if you get roommates with a guy, and you didn't know this person before. There is no expectation that you're going to be friends. Like, like you come in, you are just cohabitants. Like, you live together, and for the most part, most dudes are not going to want to necessarily make friends with somebody that they just have to they didn't know before. Whereas, right. like, for example, Sarah has recently moved into a new place since she started grad school, and her and her roommates have already gotten close. You know, and some of my other female friends that as they've gone to grad school and they've gotten into new places or met new people it's like if you're living with somebody even if you didn't know them before like we're family now i mean that was how sarah and katie were when katie came down uh to nc state and and her and sarah started living together like they were roommates and it was just like we're friends now and and it stuck like that meanwhile i haven't talked to my freshman year roommates since freshman year (laughs) it's it's just a very the the social interactions are are I don't know. It's, it's always been interesting to me to see the contrast and, and to try to like understand the meaning behind certain things. I think that my message is always you don't have to be friends with your housemates. Like mm-hmm. I I agree. So many people, so many women think that they go to university and they're going to be best friends with the people they live with. And then you get into sort of midway through the year and you've been forcing this friendship and forcing this friendship and then eventually you resent that person. Yeah. And you don't want to be friends and then you've got to live with them for the rest of the year. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that a lot, but I, my message is always no. Well, and <laughs> Just... I, whole, I wholeheartedly agree with that, man. I think, you know, if it happens to work out, I think it's amazing. You know, yeah. if, you, if you can be friends with the people that you live with, it's so great because all of a sudden you're just around your friends. But like sometimes you just start living with people and they just suck, you know? <laughs> like sometimes people are just like either they don't have any interest in being friends or you don't, you know, again, you try to force something like you said and, and it just ends up being weird. Have to live with. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, no, dude, like you, you're committed to this, like living with this person for at least several months, if not longer. And I mean, you know, for me, I'm I'm somebody that typically needs my own space. And so mm-hmm. the dorm situation where I have to share an immediate room, like a bedroom with somebody, that does not work for me. So I figured out pretty early. I was like, okay, I need to be in an apartment or a dorm with a single bed. Like, I'm, I can't share a bedroom with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. But even in those situations where I have my own room, sometimes it's really nice to have a roommate that I just, you know, I don't talk to very often because it's quiet. It's, it's nice. I can just worry about my own thing. And I tend to be a little bit more introverted, but for some people, it's great to be able to, to, to come home and just lay on your bed and be able to do what you want and not have any expectation to socialize. Because as much as I love Sarah and Katie, there were days that I would come home and I'd be exhausted and I didn't want to talk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were all very, I couldn't see you. (laughs) <laughs> it was like and they were all very excited and happy and they were very sweet about it but like i just didn't have it in me yeah and it was like there were some days where it just felt like i didn't have a break and so i think that there are some i think the important thing is to like understand what you need you know yeah and if, don't be afraid to 
take exactly and do exactly what you need. Like, don't be afraid of offending people by saying, I need yes. to be left alone. Don't be, yeah, 100%. And I think it's like that with a lot of stuff in life in general, but especially with a living arrangement, because your living arrangement is where you come to relax. It's where you crash. It's where you finally get your you time. Mm -hmm. If you have set that up in a way that makes that difficult, and it feels like, you know, for example, if you go to work and you come home and the people that you're living with makes home feel like a second job, th Ooh. there's there's no, like, that's hell on earth. That sounds horrible. Um, and yeah, maybe you did that because, oh, like, I want to live with people and I want to live with friends and, and, and I want to do this. But then all of a sudden, you know, like you said, you, you come to resent these people because you're exhausted all the time and you just hate everything. And it's like, just take some time and it, some, some self-reflection and some understanding of like what you need out of a out of a roommate situation. If you're fine living by yourself, if you're fine essentially living by yourself because you don't need to socialize with the people that you live with, then that's maybe that's what that works. But then there's other people, and I don't know how it is in the in the UK, but at least here at NC State, we yeah. have a lot of options. You know, there's on-campus housing, there's off-campus housing that's run by the university that's still very, very close to campus. There's apartment complexes that are entirely on their own. You can rent houses. You can do Airbnbs. You can do all of this stuff. And so it, like, don't be afraid to, to shop around. Now, I'm saying that as somebody that absolutely hates shopping for housing. It's one of the things that makes me the most miserable. There's There are, there are options. Oh, boy. That's, yeah. <laughs> Knowing. I mean, budgeting budgeting at university oh god yeah and and that that knowing that knowing how to how and when to spend money th this is one thing that i will say is that you will spend more money when you live with people that you like um because there is more incentive to go out and do fun things and <laughs> it, it's it's good in, in some cases but i remember that there were some times that like makes it you so know, worth living it, with Sarah it? And Katie, when we, you know we go out and do stuff or go shopping together yeah, it was just like let's do ice cream runs three times a week and like i mean to be fair like especially for when i was there i was happy to say yes to whatever was going on because it was technically my holiday it was like <laughs> i feel like if they could have literally suggested anything and i would have been like yeah let's do it let's just go for it let's just spend money on that but i feel from from your perspective Doing that in the long term definitely can be a slippery slope. Yeah, and it, it just depends person by person, you know, depending on what, you know, what your income situation is, if you even have income. Because for me, I would get to points where I'd kind of have to start to watch it just because I never had the time management to work while I was in school. I don't, I think combination of that is just me having poor time management and then also the engineering curriculum, which people like to make a big deal of oh engineering is the hardest it's 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 fine it's like everything else everybody has homework right. dude like but for me i when we would go out and do stuff it was and i was usually down for it and i usually didn't have too much of a problem spending money but there were times mm -hmm. that like i just had to be careful about like okay if i go do this i probably need to like pull back a little bit for the rest of the rest of the week or the rest of the month i feel like that's part of university though is getting to know your you know, your spending habits and your budget and just learning all those kind of skills. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a, that is arguably like, I think one of the most important, learning how to manage your personal finances in university. My, my uncle 
is a really funny guy. And, and he used to refer the, to university living as a genteel poverty, where you have sort of everything you need, but not a whole lot extra because you re- usually can't afford it. And I think getting used to that kind of living where you're, you know, and this doesn't definitely doesn't apply to everybody, but but you've got your stuff that you need for school. You've got a small room with a, without a whole lot of extra luxury. Your main focus is school. You don't really have the money to go spend on a bunch of extra luxurious, you know, or, or, or unnecessary things. And it forces you to kind of pay attention and say like, okay, you know, if I have X amount of income or if I have X amount of savings and I know that I'm going to need to have this much money set aside for food, this much money set aside for gas. Um, if I'm paying for my own tuition, I need to have that already like good to go. I, rent, good to go. Like I can't skip those payments. And it teaches you that budgeting a little bit more. And and for me, I'm lucky enough, my parents have been very supportive and I haven't had to worry about things like tuition. I have not had to pay for myself. Um, my parents have been incredibly generous and, and we're lucky to have that pretty much taken care of but i know when i went to michigan and it was my first real time and i had to pay for everything there it was you know my flight my rental car all of my rent all of my food all of my utilities all of my insurance all of everything and and doing the calculations every two weeks when i got my paycheck and seeing like how much can i actually spend on stuff that i don't need that that's a I think that's, that's something that everybody has to go through at some point, but university can do a really good job for that because you're in this prime time where you just want to spend money. You're around people. Like you want to go out and do shit. You want to go and, and, and buy food and eat like crap and go out and party and, and just do unnecessary things, especially if you're around friends and it's like, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like though, it's kind of one of those situations where everybody is, um, everybody's poor but everybody wants to do something. So it's who mm-hmm. more of a, less of a, oh, we should get together and do something, and then you collectively disagreeing because you don't have any money, and more seeing who's going to cave first and be like, nah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going out and, 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 going out and keep going out until someone's like, mm, maybe not. Yeah, well, and it was, like, one thing that, like, sometimes, you know, we would be, like, oh, we want to go out and eat. Well, what are our options? Okay, well, we're not going to hit, like, a steak restaurant in downtown Raleigh because none of us can afford that. But we can go to McDonald's, you know. We can go to uh, we can go to Cookout, which, for those of you that haven't been to the American South, is um, quite the quite the fast food restaurant. You can get a lot of food for your money at Cookout. But, but it's, it's one of those things. And, and I remember my dad telling me about this when he was in university, that he – because he did not grow up with hardly any money and uh, he had to work his fingers to the bone to make it through university. And um, he would tell me of times that he just had to, he just had to say no. I mean, there were, and and you think the important thing is that like, if your situation does not allow it, like you can't spread yourself too thin. You know, there's, there's times when you really do have to just be like, Hey man, just can't do it tonight. And and my dad would say, you know, sometimes I, he didn't want to have the conversation of like, I don't have money because some people would, they'd be like, oh, dude, I, I got you. I can pay for you. But he would always feel weird about that. And sometimes it was just like, nah, I got to study or I got to do X, Y, Z, or I'm not feeling well tonight, or I can't do anything because he just, he didn't have the money. And, and there are times when, you know, 
you just have to say no. And even if you don't, even if you don't want to have that conversation about money or you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to feel like you're asking for charity or whatever, you have to do what's right for you person. Definitely. It's a different kind um, of discipline, I think. It is. And I, I think that's one of the biggest things um, is, is knowing how far to stretch yourself and, and, and you know, not even, not even just with money, you know, even like one important lesson that I had to learn was time and energy management. Cause when I was in high school, I, I would, I just didn't sleep. I, I would, I mean, I slept, but it was during school, you know, cause I would, I would go to class and we'd have school from seven forty-five to three forty-five or whenever it was. And then I would usually go directly from school and I would work almost every day after school. I was teaching at a, at a Taekwondo school and, and I would usually not get home until 7.30 or 8.30 at night. And with the advanced placement classes that I was taking, I would have some nights a lot of homework and then I'd want to stay up and play a little bit of video games to, to relax. And then by the time I go to bed, it's 3 a.m. And I get you know three hours of sleep before school the next morning. I go in, I fall asleep in class and I do it all over again. And with college, I kind of had to readjust and say like okay like sometimes i just need to take a little bit of time for me and like if i got to a point now where like if the work unless it's a big thing unless it's like a project or a big term paper or something like that if the homework's not done by midnight it's not gonna get done yeah i, I know that i need to sleep and if i really want to i can wake up early tomorrow try to do it but for me, it's kind of forced this discipline of like, okay, yeah, the work is important and and that's why you're here. But at the same time, if your body gives out, mm-hmm. your, your brain isn't going to be able to earn you yeah. the grades. So you need to take time for food. You need to take time for sleep. And, and you need to take time for socialization, relaxing and fun because if you don't have any fun, it was, you know, it, you're, you're not going to be able to mentally balance everything anyways. Yeah. And, and taking that, being able to like step back and be like, okay, I've worked my ass off for the last week. I've done nothing but work and grind and I've got minimal sleep and I've got a profoundly bad caffeine addiction now and like, you know, whatever. Let me take a step back and just play video games for three hours. As long as I don't have anything due immediately, let me just, you know, take some time and just forget about everything. And, and reset because that that mental aspect of it you hear about it a lot but it is university there are times at which it is one of the most stressful things that i've ever experienced mm. because you feel like your entire life is like dependent on what you're doing and it kind of is but it also really isn't yeah. it, it's not nearly as important as people like to make it out to be and it's important to work hard and to get things done but at the same time like know how much is having a, a perfect gpa or or, or whatever it's actually gonna how far is it actually gonna get you right and, and and the big thing is you know if you if you end up working yourself to a point where your body starts falling apart or your mind starts falling apart like you just it, it's it's not worth it um and and you can't use the degree that you've worked so hard for if you've put yourself in the hospital or you know you've made yourself too ill to work Exactly. Well, and like, and and you were here last summer, and so you saw me at, at arguably one of the worst times um, of 
of my life and I had a, I had a, a few things going on that that were incredibly stressful and I was having a really really hard time dealing with and I got to a point where I was realizing that it's like okay I'm sleeping like 16 to 18 hours a day and I had one meal yesterday like you know clearly something is wrong uh, and that's the opposite problem from a lot of people have where they're not sleeping enough and I was just university had pushed me to a point where I was so depressed that I was sleeping too much and 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 was so yeah and it was it, it was just and it, for me it was like okay and I had the clarity of mind you know luckily to to be like okay clearly things are not working uh I what I'm doing is not working and and this is going to begin to negatively affect everything else not even just school but like friendship socialization potential jobs if i don't get a handle on this right. relationships with family so it's like for me another one of those discipline things that i think it will teach you is like knowing when to ask for help mm-hmm. because that 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 was something for me that, that was incredibly necessary and, and and if i didn't do it it, it would have gotten way worse and at least at my school we have a really good network for uh, the counseling center and the way that the university kind of handles mental health. I've had a lot of issues with NC State as far as like administrative stuff, but one thing that I can say wholeheartedly is that their counseling department and their student health like services, specifically on the mental health and emotional well-being standpoint, has been immaculate. It's been amazing, and their their counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, and all of the administrative stuff on that has been amazing. And for me, I just had to go in and ask and and taking that big step to ask and to know to ask for help. Mm-hmm. They, they were able to help. And, and I don't know how many universities have play, things in place like that. But if you as the student can understand that like, yeah, things are bad and maybe I can't handle this all on my own right now. But there's people here, like understanding that like there are people at the university. And that's part of what your tuition goes towards. You know, that's that's part of what you're paying for is that resource. Um, and the university has resources like that, that 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 you can use. And I think that's part of the benefit is that like if you go directly into the corporate world, like most companies aren't gonna have an on staff counselor that you can go to. Mm. Um, but the the university at least ours did, and 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 that was a resource that was absolutely invaluable. Um, and, and the big thing was just being able to get yourself to understand that, like, hey, you know, things yeah. they go up, they go down, but you can ask for help when you need it. So, would you do it again if you if you went back and you could choose to do university or choose to follow a different? path to get to what you want to do would you do university again that's a that's a good question i i i don't know if i necessarily have the answer um and mm-hmm. part of the reason is because i haven't really i don't know if i'm going to be able to get to where i want to be yet you, you know for me i think if you come back and ask me in three years <laughs> i i might be able to tell you but i know that like for me like i said like my thing was cars and mm-hmm being able to work for a car company and specifically, you know, maybe one day working for a race team is like the goal, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's definitely part of me that thinks, well, maybe, maybe engineering was not the best way to go for that. You know, maybe 
if I would have gone to a technical school instead or, you know, gotten more hands-on training or instead of working, you know, school, maybe doing, you know, working at a mechanic shop to actually get hands-on experience and stuff that was like directly related because so much of the stuff that I've learned in university has nothing to do with what I want to do. And that's another thing about college is that so many of the, the, the classes that you take are just not relevant to, to the rest yeah. of your life. So many general education classes for no reason. <laughs> and it's, it's, and it gets infuriating too, because like, you know, you, for me, I spent three years in school, well, three and a half years. And then I go to this co-op in Michigan and work for a big engineering company. Nissan is huge. I mean, they, they pump out millions of vehicles a year, sell them all over the world. And I go to this company and for the most part, the only skills that you need are like proficiency in Microsoft Office and communication skills. Mm. And for me, it was like, okay, well, why did I take thermodynamics then? <laughs> you know? Um, through that. Yeah, for me, like looking at the professional side of things, there's so much of university that is because it has to act like a catch-all you know it has to be this thing that like no matter where you want to go or what you want to do with your degree that hopefully you've seen part of it in your education and you don't need to remember much of it but as long as you've seen it before and you know how to learn it again that's that's kind of the big thing but you know for me in engineering and what i want to do there's so much that i just haven't needed um and if you're a design engineer maybe it's different you know and, and I'm, I'm sure with other you know, with other majors, it, it, it comes and goes in, in different ways. But there is part of me that thinks, you know, maybe as far as like relevance to what I wanted to do and maybe the, the, the career path that I was thinking about taking, that maybe it wasn't ideal or maybe I would have been just as happy doing this other thing and maybe not spending as much money. Um, but yeah. I don't that that. The tricky part here is that I haven't been able to, like, I'm not in the working world yet. I haven't been able to see quite so well if I'm going to be able to get where I'm going. It's it's still kind of up in the air. And so it's tough for me to say right now if it's if it's worth it and it would, I would do it differently because, you know, I'm still still waiting to see. Right. Waiting to see how, how worth it it was. So it, it's a tricky situation. I think everybody will probably have to deal with that to some extent. Um, and I know people that, you know, they've gotten degrees and things and graduated recently and have no idea what they want to do and, and have no idea where they want to go or don't even know why they got the degree that they did, uh, yeah. which is unfortunate. Um, and I was lucky enough to have a good idea of what I wanted to do going into things. Yeah. And, and it stuck. You know, I still really, really like race cars, even more so than I did in high school. So like when I chose mechanical engineering for this route, at least my priorities have not changed at all. Um, Going to a, a feeder school for university or your university being your sort of only seemingly only option, yeah. I think really does play a big part. And, and and for me, that was really what it was, is that, you know, it was, it really did seem like my my only option. And I know that and there for me, there were things that I was interested in, obviously cars and, and, and you know, I'm a big fan of of watches and, and, and mechanical uh, timekeeping devices. And that's something that, that I get really, really excited about. Um, and there was part of me that thinks, well, maybe if I have a mechanical engineering degree and if I wanted to work in the watch industry as, an, as a mechanical watch engineer, I could do that. 
but then there was also this thing that I had researched and, and found out about in high school, and it's a a school in Miami, Florida, that is a dedicated like watchmakers academy, and it's two years long. Um, the tuition is free, but they only admit a certain number of people a year, and you have to pay for all of your living expenses in Miami, which is not cheap. But you basically get certified by one of the largest uh, watch luxury brand conglomerates in the world um, as a as a watchmaker, and and the, you're you know certified to do a bunch of this stuff. Uh, at the time, you know, there was part of me that thought, well, you know, maybe that would be really cool. But at the same time, there was always this lingering thing in the back of my head. And I think kind of my parents um, in the back of my mind saying like, no, like you got to get a degree. You got to get a degree. Maybe if you want to do it after your degree, go for it, but you got to get your degree. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I think it's important not to box people in like that though, because it's not for everybody. Um, I have friends from high school that, you know, they're, they're smart people, but when you put them in an academic atmosphere, you know, something like high school or university level, that that's not the way that their intelligence and their mind kind of works and benefits. So, you know, this dude is really good at certain things, but like, if you try to put him in a classroom, lecture him, and then test him on what he's lectured on, he's not going to retain it. He's not going to remember it. He's not going to score well. But but that doesn't mean that he's not a really smart and talented individual. You know, it's and and I don't know what the climate is like over there. Um, I'd like to hear from you about what it's like, or if you have any knowledge on it. But I know here, at least in the way that I grew up technical schools and trade schools were always kind of like i mean yeah they're out there but you probably don't want to do it and it's like uh, you should really go four year i'd say it's pretty similar it would be i think what i would say to this topic in general i think it's very generational mm -hmm. and previous generations to us have seen um have seen university as as you know the the golden ticket and the way to to get into any opportunity that you want but I feel like this generation has seen a lot more um setbacks in terms of like oh well we want you to have work experience we want you to have this many years experience in industry and to go to university for for four years um or three years here and walk away and say yes I've got enough experience it, like it doesn't cut it in the work world yeah. and so I think that a lot of times now and I mean I I feel like now that technical school maybe is a better route for a lot of people because we need people who have those technical skills and who have gone about it that way because they have the experience that a lot of people are looking for oh yeah and it, and it can also be an incredibly lucrative and incredibly profitable like way to go I mean I do you do you know how much plumbers make right like, <laughs> And for one, an incredibly important job. I mean, that is like, <laughs> you know, what what you don't want is is your toilet backing up. Um, yeah, your house flooding yeah. or your boiler breaking down. Like, there's so many issues that as a as a person who is completely untrained in that yeah, area. Yeah. And that's that's the other thing. You know, I'm I'm almost done with a mechanical engineering degree, but if you ask me to fix my pipes, I, I, I 
it would it would be a stretch you know um right. might be able to fumble through it but like but, but and they make really good money electricians make inc- very good a, a comfortable wage easily a comfortable salary easily um you know even uh manufacturing jobs um especially the ones that are unionized here at least um can make a, a there's so many um, industries now that are trying to to do internships and to do sort of programs where you go from high school or you you know you start a part time internship while you're in high school and you continue it on and you become an, a full apprentice and you you know get fully trained and you also get paid to do it. I feel like that's more that's becoming more and more popular because people need to get paid as much as they need to get an education. And, and I think that's. I think that's such a good way to do it, especially if there's something that you're particularly interested in that doesn't necessarily need the four-year degree. You know, there's some things right. that, like, if you want to do astrophysics, right, you got to go to college. Like, you're right. just, yeah, you could probably teach yourself on Google, but you will never, like, get anywhere in the industry. But like, if you, for example, and part of my sort of internal conflict is, that, like, I want to work on cars bunch of dudes that work on cars that I know some of the most skilled mechanics and people that can like I met this dude in Michigan his name was um was Mike but his nickname was Fuzzy uh and uh, (laughs) Fuzzy was absolutely wonderful but he was this dude and he was really into like classic American muscle cars with the big V8 engines and everything like that but this dude he was like he was a wizard he, he knew so much about the way that these things worked that he could hear, you know, a minor, he could hear an engine running and it would sound normal to everybody else. And he'd be like, oh yeah, that part's starting to wear. And it's like, and this dude had, I don't even know if he finished high school, but he was lead technician in the admissions lab at Nissan North America for a while. He recently retired, but he was such a, an amazingly smart individual, incredibly skilled. And, and as far as I know, never got a university level education. Um, right. And it's one of, he didn't need. Yeah, it. no, and you don't need it it's for certain things. Uh, and again, you know, yeah, and if you want to be a doctor, for example, you probably need to go to university. You know, go to university. <laughs> I don't. I don't want somebody cutting me open that doesn't have you know at least five, six years of college underneath. At least you know. Um, qualification. Yeah, exactly. But like. For, you know, somebody that is doing a more hands-on job, if, if if I want somebody to fix my car or if I want somebody to fix my plumbing or my electrical, um, you know, thing in my house, is if they know what they're doing, that's the most important thing. I don't care where they went to school or how much they've, you know, what they got on their SATs yeah. or their, their, their A-levels or whatever, you know, it, it doesn't matter. If, if, you, if you know the thing, that's... That's important. So I think the the biggest thing is like, and it's tough, right? Because at the high school level, people are so young and and so ignorant, and I mean that in like the literal definition of like just unaware. Like, yeah, like yeah, they just yeah. don't they just don't know what the options are. Um, and I think that's one thing that our school systems could probably do a better job of is like. I completely teaching like here's your options it's not just a four-year university thing and it shouldn't be and and i think part of the other issue too from the university standpoint and and kind of an argument against it is uh 
I, I think it's a little bit better over there than it is here. Uh, it's expensive. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, we get loans. We get like automatic loans. Yeah, and and our, I think the average cost of a university in the United States is fifty thousand U.S. dollars per year. Um, and there's a lot of people that will take loans out on the entire thing. Um, and depending on their income, when they come out of college, they will be in debt for the rest of their life. Um, yeah. Especially, I mean, and, and, and there's certain people that like doctors, lawyers, um, you know, people like that that have a, a bunch of student debt, but they'll come out and they'll make good money that they can kind of get mm -hmm. over it. But I have friends that like are very worried about the fact that like they've had to take out loans for their entirety of, of, of school. And it's something that in the U.S. right now is a huge political talking point with this upcoming election yeah. is like, what do we do about student loans and, and, and universities? Because it's been privatized and turned into a business. Um, and so yeah. not only do you feel funneled into it, but it's like, oh, you're funneled into it. And now the government owns you for the rest of your life because you'll never be able to pay off your debt. You're funneled into it because they want you to have to pay them for the rest of your career, the rest of your life, your retirement. It's, yeah, and it's a problematic thing, and I think that's another reason that like there are some people that if you if you're able to get a job without having to spend you know say two hundred thousand U.S. dollars over the course of a four year degree, um, and instead of that in that time you're making money um, and maybe investing money and and you know, for some people, that's way more beneficial. Um, yeah. And, and so it's in like engineering, for example, is, is typically a route that is very secure as far as job placement. Um, it's, you know, typically very well paying and, you know, not quite doctor or lawyer level by any means, but as far as like entry level jobs with a four year degree, engineering is really solid. Um, but even then, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of debt and, um, a lot of, it's a lot of money to spend on something that like, okay, how long is it going to take me just to get back to ground zero and be able to start making money for myself again? You know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a tricky, tr tricky field to navigate. And I think education being on un understanding your options is, is one of the most important, like first steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely getting informed. And not being afraid to look elsewhere if your school isn't telling you the information that you need. Just because they're not telling you it doesn't mean it's not out there. Right. And that's and that's another thing is that, like, not necessarily taking everything that, you know, I mean, a lot of times what the university teaches you or tells you, a lot of it's good information. Mm -hmm. But it's not always the only information. It's not always the only way to do things. Uh, or to the only aspects of a certain subject uh, to learn, or or the the only approach that you take to things, to to subjects, or to life in general. Um, and I think there is kind of a uh, a very constricted mindset that that, that comes out of it. Unfortunately, um, you you kind of get hold into this. It's it's it's, it's almost a it's a university mentality. Um, it it feels like. Of a linear thinking, yeah, uh, way to to achieving things, and and that was one thing that like I, one of the biggest lessons um, that that I had, and one of the most, 
you know, I think valuable things for me was when I was working in Michigan at, at Nissan and, and like this guy Fuzzy that I just talked about, um, you know, absolute genius when it comes to, to engines. Um, but not just him, but all of the other technicians that I had worked with, which for people that aren't in the industry, I mean, technicians are usually you'll have sometimes an associate's degree, sometimes a, a bachelor's degree, but usually an associate's degree or a GED, but it's a technical hands-on, more blue collar work. These are the guys that are actually right. carrying out um, the lab, uh, the, the the actual lab processes. You know, um, they're mm -hmm. the ones that are running the emissions tests. They're the ones that are doing the crash testing. They're the ones that are actually putting their hands on the instruments and making it happen. Now the data goes to the engineers, but they're the ones that are making it happen. And, and talking to these dudes, who and and women as well, and, and unfortunately it was primarily um men but but talking to the technicians that i worked with uh these people are smart in in such a different way and it's so funny because they'll talk about when engineers come down and the engineers will assume to know something you know because they've been in school for six years and they've got their master's degree you know and right. they come down and and then they'll ask some stupid question that <laughs> if they understood what they were talking about, would not make any sense. Right. But they have this mindset, this, this kind of collegiate uh, academic um, mindset that, like, it's very textbook. You know, it's not hands-on. Mm -hmm. It's not practical. And so they have this understanding of not even just the work, but the world around them that is very structured around their experience, where when you get somebody with right. experience or a more real-world hands-on experience, it, it's – a completely different way of thinking, and in a lot of ways, a better way of thinking. Um, just pros and cons, and you do get channeled into an academic mindset, and I think it, it, it doesn't require any more uh, effort than looking at some of the people in academia, you know, looking at some of the professors that you'll have, and talking to them and listening to the way that they speak about certain things, and th their problem-solving approaches are, are mm. surprisingly, you know, one or two dimensional. It's not necessarily as complex as they might want you to think it is. It's just that there's the, the, the answer is that there's just a bunch of different ways to do these things. And, and college will teach you some of the ways, but there are other ways as well. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, what are your future plans? What, where are you trying to get to? Um, well, so I've actually been doing a little bit of looking at that recently. Um, first, first priority is finish school. So I've got the rest of the semester, which is pretty much online because of COVID. Um, and then next semester as well, which hopefully will be, well, depending on how things are, um, hopefully be a little bit more normal. Um, but, uh, you know, beginning to, to looking for jobs right now. Um, you know, I've luckily got a, a, a decent relationship with uh, Nissan, and, and maybe that will end up working out, but also applying to some other places and, and specifically some, you know, maybe some reach careers that I may not be ready for yet, but would still be an amazing opportunity. I was looking the other day, and <laughs> it was just, there, there's a uh, position at Ferrari uh, that is in Maranello, Italy. Or sort of as a as an internship for people that have recently graduated and have an interest in in automotive things, and I think that when the time comes to apply to that, you know, 
my goal is to get into the industry and to kind of do whatever I need to do to make it happen. And if I have to move to Europe, I'm perfectly fine with that. I've always wanted to go. <laughs> so going for a job that I'm incredibly passionate and excited about would be a good first step. But it's it's looking at auto manufacturers here. It's looking at race teams here. It's looking at uh, manufacturers and race teams over there. And then also, you know, it's 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 a numbers game. So applying to a bunch of positions with different companies and, and, and different places, understanding that I may not get any of the, the jobs that I want to get. If I don't get anything that I want to get, making the decision, okay, well, what do I do in the meantime? You know, do I take a, do I take some time off? Do I get a part-time job in the meantime and keep looking? Maybe do I try to go to technical school? Do I try to get that mechanic um, certification afterwards? Mm. So there's options, uh, luckily. Um, one thing that I do know is that I really would prefer not to go to grad school. <laughs> I'm, after five years of undergrad, I'm, I'm, I'm good for now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's time for a break from academia. And, um, and I'm excited to, to work in the real world. But it's right now is, is that very transitionary period. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things are changing and, and trying to, you know, make some decisions about where I want to go and what I want to do. Um, and if it doesn't happen right away, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I've got a little bit, a little bit of money at least saved away, and and um, uh, luckily a, a a decent support network that I can kind of halfway fall back on if I really need to. So it's a lot of a lot of shopping around and a lot of a lot of trying to make some big decisions, but it's 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 looking okay. Good. Well, personally, I think you'd be a great watchmaker. <laughs> Thank you. It's definitely the the school in Miami is definitely on my mind. If I can. My biggest problem is figuring out how to afford living in Miami for two years. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's it's a very cool, very cool idea. And I think that would be a very fun job as well. So that's definitely in the uh, in the Rolodex. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Of course. Uh, I, yeah, I'm very appreciative of all, all the help that you gave me while I was in the US. And I'm always glad to talk to you. So. Well, and we would absolutely love to have you back in the States anytime. You can uh, you can swing it after all this mess has been sorted out. And um, rest assured, if I'm ever in the uh, uh, in Europe or in the UK specifically, I will I will be sure to um, we'll we'll link up for sure because it's been too long. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Goodbye. A huge thanks to Will for allowing me to interview him. He handles all my probing questions with grace on and off air. So thank you again, Will. I also have some new things in the works. So if you want to stay updated, you can sign up to my newsletter. If you go to the homepage of my website, pleaseholdfor.squarespace.com, and scroll to the bottom, you can fill out the little form and you will be sent a monthly email. This will be about my podcast updates, website updates, and also other news and things that are going to be coming in the following months. Also, check out my Instagram, please hold for Insta, and I'm also trying to be more active on Twitter, and that's please hold for, P-L-Z, please hold for. Yeah, thank you everyone, and have a good day.